This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. The Eden didn't listen to me, so how's Parag going to listen to me? I don't even speak well. I'm at Al Sfasoyim. So the question, the famous question, is that Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying that the Eden didn't listen. The Pusik tells us that they didn't listen because they had Avodekusha, Koitzeriyach, Avodekusha, they weren't able to listen. So what's the Kabbalah? Parag sitting in his palace, very calm, very cool. Why shouldn't he be able to listen to what Moshe Rabbeinu has to say? So Sfasoyim says something very interesting in the Lekitim. He says that Moshe Rabbeinu understood that the reason why Claudius was not listening it must be his own problem. If he would be saying it the right way, if he would be, if he would be giving it over right, then even with the Koyseriyach and Aved even in the difficult circumstance, even the, the, the bad situation that Claudius was in, they would have also been able to listen. Mishravani was taking the blame for the fact that Claudius couldn't take his message, even in the circumstances they found themselves in. And that's why he said, you know, if I have such a problem, if I don't know how to give over something in the right way, so how is Parag going to listen to me? Jemani was taking the blame on himself. So it's an interesting situation over here. You see, you see the same situation with three different perspectives. And this is something I think we could, we could learn from, and something that's relevant to the question that I, the email I'd like to address today. Hashem sent a message to Kali Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu. Kali Yisrael wasn't able to listen. They didn't listen. There's three ways to look at that. You could look at it from Hashem's perspective, let's call it, sending a message to Klai Yisrael, and they should be able to listen. Right? We understand that if Hashem is sending a message, He obviously wanted, wanted Klai Yisrael to listen. Hashem knew that they maybe, Hashem knew that they wouldn't, because He knows, he knows everything. But He's sending a message, and Hashem is expecting Klai Yisrael to listen. Klai Yisrael had their way of looking at it, which is, we can't listen. How can I hear you? And the Mashirvani had a third perspective of, Maybe I should have done a better job and given, given it over better. Maybe there's something wrong with the way I was, I was relaying the message. And there's something that's a very, it's such an important lesson in life. There's three ways to look at something. If one spouse, for example, when it comes to Shulam bias, is not uh, fulfilling a certain obligation, let's call it, very often there's the way that that person looks at it, which is, I can't, it's too hard for me. You know what I'm dealing with? You know how hard this relationship is? You know what you're expecting of me? I, I can't do it. People tend to uh, rationalize and justify what they're doing because, listen, I, I can't. Then there's the objective view, which is, this is what you should be doing. I know it's hard, but this is what you should be doing. The fact that it's hard doesn't mean that you're uh, absolved of that responsibility or obligation. And then there's a third way of looking at it, which is what the other person should always be saying, you know what, maybe I should have been making it easier for my spouse to do what they should be doing. So this is something very important. I think it's always it's always so crucial. We, I talk about it so often that everyone should realize they're... they're, they're part in something, you know. To say I don't have to, that would be wrong. But to say that you have to, instead of realizing maybe I can make it easier for you, that's the way to do it. So everyone should always be looking at where they could do their part better. And realize that, yes, there is sometimes a third perspective of, this is what you have to do. Stop being right, and stop explaining yourself, and stop talking about why it's so hard for you, and step up to the plate and do what you have to. Now sometimes it's easier when it comes to Hashem, you know. The story of, uh, I think it was Rebunus Snipeschitz, he heard somebody saying, right? I'm a nothing, Hashem. I'm just a nothing. He kept on saying over those words with such passion. Later, um, the Gabba didn't give him the Aliyah that he wanted. And he had a bunch of tannas on the Gabba. You know, how could you not be Mechabed me the way you should? And it's my Aliyah, how'd you forget? 
So we understand asked him, I don't understand, I just heard you saying by davening, you're such a nothing, and all of a sudden you have so many tannas. So the person says, yeah, that's between me and Hashem, but this Meshagana, and that's so often what we don't realize we do. We look at obligations of, you know, well, I have an obligation to Hashem, I don't have a choice, the fact that it's hard, we're talking about Eil and we understand sometimes that if Hashem tells us to do something, even if it's very hard, we have to do it. And there are a lot of things people do for Hashem, as hard as it is. When it comes to that Meshagana, whether it's your spouse or anyone else for that matter, it's a building like a thing, you know, and that's where we tend to justify ourselves faster and say, you know, if that person would make it easier for me, if that person wouldn't be so difficult, if that person wouldn't be so challenging, of course I would do what I have to in this relationship. Without realizing that just the fact, just because you have someone else to blame, or someone else that should be taking maybe more responsibility, or someone else that may be contributing to the problem more than you are, doesn't mean that you're not as obligated. So this is something very important to understand. Now, of course, the other person as well. Mashabani was taking full blame for himself. It was the Eden that were justifying maybe themselves and saying, listen, we just can't listen to you, Moshe. Anyway, this is just something that we have to learn from. And I'm going to read an email. It's a lengthy email. And only because somebody mentioned something last week, I'm going to say this, what I'm going to say now. And, and, and I recently heard it from someone else, actually, someone I met, someone who also speaks in Torah in time, and, and uh, mentioned something about me coming up with such good questions. The questions that I read every week, I read... Um, from a paper printed out from the emails I get or a transcription of a message somebody left. I don't add anything to a, to a question. Um, sometimes I translate it into Yiddish or English, but that's it. So whatever you're hearing me say is what people send me in. So if for whatever reason you hear a question and it sounds like your spouse may have asked that question or you're wondering if I came up with something because of whatever it may have been, uh, you should know that I'm just repeating things from people and yes, these, these ideas are more common than you think. And very often... Um, you might be able to relate to something I mentioned from somebody, and that's a good sign. That's why I'm repeating these things in public. So this is a little long, and I'm going to try to do it a little quickly. Okay. Hi, and thank you so much for your insightful Torah classes. I really enjoy the way you put everything down in a logical, easy-to-understand way. Okay, thank you for that. I just heard your class on surrendering in a marriage, and it's the first time that I ever felt such a strong lack of agreement. You prefaced yourself twice by saying, I don't mean to be disrespectful or dismissive which usually means that something dismissive is coming. And I did feel hurt at your answer, as my situation is a bit similar to the writer. Until someone understands the pain of such a lonely marriage, it's easy to say, you need to respect him, as if it's a button you can press, or that if you treat him nicely, it makes, it makes a lot of the issues better. Like most girls, I got married and respected my husband to the, sk- to the sky. I knew that my husband is the king, and was taught that you need to follow him and be machnia and mavater, etc., which is proper with a healthy spouse. However, when a spouse treats you horrible, puts you and everyone else constantly down, with rough language, does whatever he wants without taking your needs into consideration, that doesn't work, and you slowly lose your respect for him. Let me just state there, my husband is far from abusive, just very rough, clueless, and lacking social skills and poor midos and menschlichkeit, not aware of himself and not a growing person looking to improve. This is the family he's grown up in, and he realizes the dysfunction there. I would even say he's certainly not the worst there. My husband has refused therapy, and I've gone myself to learn to accept the situation and work with it. I've done many things to protect myself over the years, and I've learned to put my foot down strongly when I really need something. Even though it doesn't feel good being a bad wife, at least I'm not bitter by having my needs or wishes not met. I've also been very firm with what language I won't accept, which has made him tone it down a bit, but at a price of me losing respect for him and feeling like his mother. I know my situation is more complicated than a Torah class, so I'll I'll keep it to two questions. Slash concerns. Firstly, hard as I try, I have close to zero respect for him. I know that sounds terrible, and if you, ha- if you have a, a year to listen, I can give you examples and stories of horrible times I've been mistreated that has made me lose respect. I fully understood him and didn't blame him for acting like his parents or the home he grew up in. My complaint is, why doesn't he do anything to change it? 
For me, there's no way to get there. Hard as I tried, I can't make myself respect somebody I just don't respect. It's not an action, it's a feeling. I've had to teach him so much over the years how to treat a wife and kids. It's basically a choice of to be quiet and get treated horribly, or put on your foot, explain why you and why he can't do that and be treated better, but lose respect. For years already, I've learned to let go and look away from any awful behaviors or speech that doesn't directly affect me. However, even without that, I constantly am putting am being put down and dismissed. Living with a husband that lacks empathy and lives in the bubble is very, very lonely. I've been trying... I've, I've tried keeping a list of his positive qualities and reviewing them, but honestly, I'm in too much pain half the time, and that doesn't work. I know how important the healthy home is for the kids, and I so badly want to give it to them. So it really hurts me that my home is far from ideal. So how do I respect him? Secondly, I've accepted his behavior, and specifically his put-down, sarcastic language for years. However, my kids are growing up, and hard as I try, some of them, specifically the boys, are mimicking his behavior. And this is the part that's killing me. I look around at people that have successfully lived with difficult spouses, and I see many times the kids, and especially the same gender kids, carry the same bad behavior onward. My sons talk down to me the same way and are rough with everyone around them. They carry on doing whatever they please without regard for other people around them. And it frightens me to think that their wives might have to go through what I've been through. As long as it was me paying a price, that's one thing, but I feel like I'm being punished twice with a difficult spouse and now difficult children. So, for example, if in the past I've ignored his rough put-down language or constant Lashon Hara, I feel like I can't let it go and have the kids see it and think it's okay. So there's definitely more than been more tension and less acceptance recently. So what's the solution? I hope you'll be able to respond, especially to the second question in a future class. Please don't respond. Okay. Thank you. So that was um, one long, a bit tough email. And I'm just going to add a few lines of somebody that wrote to me another email with six points. And the last point was, I was mentioning this last point, um, lastly, and this is the question I so wish you would answer me personally. Therefore, I would risk being a nudge. How can I make myself feel love and respect if I don't? I so want to. It's stealing my peace. I don't respect the way my husband treats people or the way he responds to situations. And I feel annoyed all the time. How can I rise above it? Can I manufacture feelings of affection out of somewhere? This is the Yid Krechzing inside me, I guess. Okay, that was uh, based on a share that I said last week. I do want to make things better. I just don't know how to create respect for a person in general, not after for a lifestyle, uh, when I don't feel it. So, here goes. Two women are writing that they don't respect their husband. They find it hard to respect someone that they really don't. Respect is not a button that you just push, and they're both um, expressing the same kind of uh, feeling of, what do I do if I just don't? As one writes, it's not an action, it's a feeling. Especially when somebody's rough, and not such a mensch, and I have to teach him, and now it's uh, affecting the children. So let me, let me try to give my little input over here and see if anything that I have to offer over here is helpful. I'll mention clearly that if you're dealing with a difficult marriage or difficult anything for that matter, then of course you want to talk to someone and not rely on these classes that I give. I, I mention that often. A class is good to bring awareness, it's good to give ideas, it's good to you know, give you some objective feedback, but it's not good. In other words, if, if, it's not gonna help, if it's not helping you, don't say, well, that didn't help, so now I'm off the hook because I tried. That's not called trying. You should, you should be talking to somebody who could help you and guide you and apply whatever ideas you have, whatever ideas you don't yet have, um, to your situation. That, that's, that's for starters. That's my disclaimer. I don't see these weekly classes as um, therapy or as going for help when it's necessary. Not a question. Let me just start from the beginning. Um, I got to thank you for my classes, which you enjoy. And now you're expressing a strong um, lack of agreement. And you, you were hurt by my answer, which you 
felt challenged by because you find yourself in a similar situation to a different question that I said something to or about. So let me just start off by this. First of all, I'm fine with anyone who disagrees with me. That's, that's first of all. And I mean it. I, I, I don't mean to impose my, my opinions. I don't know if I'm right or wrong ever. I'm just sharing ideas. So if anyone ever disagrees with anything I have to say, you could, you could, you could feel so, you could express it, you could share it with me, and, I, and I'm fine with that. Um, it's not a question that uh, I'm, I'm not uh, looking to impose my opinion on people. That's first of all. I'm also not looking to say things that I think everyone will agree with. Let me make that clear. If I would try to say something that everyone would agree with, there would be no, no reason to say it, because everyone agrees anyway. So very often when I'm dealing with uh, sensitive situations, I will be saying things that not everyone wants to hear. Especially when I'm talking about a wife, for example, who's challenging the idea of uh, surrendering to a husband, which I'll talk about in a moment, regardless of where that comes from. But um, yeah, obviously I might be saying something she doesn't want to hear. I'm either saying it because I think that she has to hear it anyway, or because a lot of other people out there have to hear it. And even if that person won't want to accept it or they won't like hearing it, <laughs> so be it. I'm, I'm talking to a public and I'm trying to share ideas that I think are helpful and toyetic and correct and something that people should be listening to. That's first of all. Um, I, but I will say another thing. And that is that sometimes um, people like hearing a certain speaker, let's call it. And I don't mean myself. I'm not taking this personally. I don't even know who you are. So whoever's writing to me, I, I rarely look at the email address. I, I, anyway, I do sometimes just to know how to respond or, or send a link when I, when I give a share. But other than that, I don't take this personal at all. But let me just say something. If you have a rov or a mentor or somebody who you like listening to and that person's ideas resonate with you and you feel that that person does have a certain amount of clarity, a certain amount of um, wisdom, whatever it may be that they're sharing and it's worth it for you to, to accept because that person's saying things that are good and then all of a sudden you hear something that you don't like and you get turned off that, that's not the way to do things that's what Asayla Chorav Estalik Manasufik means you want to have somebody you can look up to and take advice from and even when sometimes it's a bit different than you would have thought you still accept it if you're only going to listen to someone when that person says things that agree with what you're thinking then again you're not, you're not accomplishing anything very often people do this and you can be listening to someone for a long time say yeah it's great and I'm becoming smarter and I'm accepting ideas and I'm getting encouragement and I'm getting support and, oh, I didn't like what you just said too bad I mean sometimes you have to realize that part of um, accepting from somebody and part of realizing that somebody might have a certain amount of insight and clarity uh, that, that, that you're gaining from and benefiting, benefiting from is when that person says something you don't want to hear and you realize you know what maybe that person's right maybe just maybe so again I'm not saying because I'm offended that you, that you don't like something I said I'm just, I'm just bringing out the idea that I hear people you know, sometimes get stuck when they're listening to someone and, and accepting from someone and respecting someone's um, perspective until it affects them until it's something that they don't want to hear that's first of all and especially you know when somebody realizes that the reason they didn't want to hear something is not necessarily because they have a different shit or they were macabre something else or because they heard once a different kind of idea but it's because it's, it's challenging for them. So somebody tells you something you don't like to hear and you realize that it's challenging to you personally, then again, as hard as it is, um, it, it's important to realize that maybe the reason I don't want to hear this is because it's demanding of me or it's challenging me personally or it's making me realize that maybe I'm doing something wrong and it's easier for me to believe that I'm doing something right. So those are just ideas and I hope that I'm not um, you know, coming across as getting defensive. I, again, I, I have no problem if anyone disagrees with me, for real. I think so at least. Um, now, in cases like this where somebody would write to me, for example a woman writes, I can't respect my husband there's nothing to respect Okay, it, it's so easy for me to, to oh, say a share on this and say, you know what, you're right 
A husband has to deserve respect. He has to earn respect. If you don't respect your husband, there's nothing to respect, I totally get you, and you're off the hook. It's so easy for me to say that. The problem is like this. Now, first of all, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be accomplishing anything. Right? Telling you you're right. I mean, you could pay a therapist to do that, and a lot of therapists do that. They tell you you're right. Okay, so now you feel good. So you paid money, what you accomplished. Did your relationship get better? Did you become better? Did you grow? Did anything happen? Nothing happened. So that would be pointless, first of all. Second of all, I think I would be doing a disservice both to you and to my other listeners who would hear me say such a thing. Anytime somebody brings up a problem in a relationship and the, the speaker or the therapist or the rogue or anyone, whoever it is you're talking to, can't come up with an idea that maybe this will help you, maybe that will help you, maybe try this, maybe, maybe move forward, maybe be creative. If you can't come up with something and all you want to know is that, yeah, I get you, you're right, then you're not accomplishing anything and nobody would be. So for me to get up and say, you're right, and I understand you, would be a disservice to all those other people who might hear that and say, oh, so I guess, I guess when your husband's doing the wrong thing, you don't have to respect him. I guess when your wife's not treating you nicely, you, you could be obnoxious to her. And I understand, it's very hard to be nice. That's very wrong. So as hard as it may be, it's, it's always good to try to see what we can come up with. And if I, if I don't come up with something you like, don't get stuck. Ask someone else. But come up with something. Don't, don't get stuck and say, you know what, now I see I'm right, and I'm good to go, and in the situation that I'm in, it's just too difficult. Don't, don't ever get to that kind of uh, you know, complacency with a problem. That's, that's a very important point. Now, if I come across as being critical when it comes to such things, it could be that sometimes the reason why it's hard to accept what I'm saying is also because I, I skip over the, the empathy that I should be offering. So let me, let me say it right now. My job or what I try to do when people ask me for advice is to come up with ideas that could be helpful to that person. Sometimes be either because I'm in a rush for time or because I'm just trying to get to the practical solution or something that might help people listening. I skip over the part of, wow, I'm sure that's very difficult. So I, I take the blame. It could be one of the reasons why it's hard sometimes to hear what I'm saying is because I don't give enough validation and empathy. So I apologize for all the times that I didn't do that and for all the times that I'm not going to be doing that if I forget. But let me say right now, I understand that it must be very difficult to be in a relationship with somebody who is not behaving nicely, somebody putting you down, somebody who has rough language, somebody who was brought up um, in a place where they weren't talking nicely. I'm sure it's very difficult. Just this past week I was, I was sitting with a, a father of a bukhar struggling with Yiddishkeit problems and other problems. And, you know, he was, I only had an hour to sit with him. And for 45 minutes he was telling me all the details of what's going on. And I told him, listen, I, I wish I could spend just 15 minutes sharing with you how I feel for you and how I pity you and how my heart breaks hearing what you're telling me. But because we only have 15 minutes le- left, let me just try to get practical and tell you what to do. But it, it's not a question that a lot of these situations that people talk to me about, and a lot of the situations people write to me about, you know, are, are very difficult. And I don't ever mean to, to use my advice or my you know, uh, objective um, perspective to make it sound like, you know, so what's the big deal? Never. I, I hope I don't sound dismissive. So when I, when I say, and you quoted me saying, I hope I don't sound dismissive, it's not because I, I really am going to be dismissive, I'm just uh, prefacing it by, by my disclaimer. It means that I understand that this is a struggle. And I'm telling you clearly that I do, and I feel bad for whoever's dealing with anything difficult, anything challenging. And part of why we're here in this world is to deal with challenging things. And we all go through challenges, everybody. So I, I definitely understand that this is not... I'm easy, easy at all, and I'm still eager to get to whatever I may share that might be helpful in any way. So that's just another thing that I think is important for me to mention. It might be something that also could sometimes arouse these, uh, you know, resistant feelings to hearing my advice if you don't hear me uh, understand you enough. So that's that's that. Now, let's go back a little bit to the idea of the surrendered wife over here. 
people are very hooked up with this surrendered wife thing. Okay, now it's called an empowered wife because people didn't like the idea of surrendered wife. The surrendered wife is definitely not a, a Jewish source. Let me just start with that. Okay, if you want to know how a Jewish wife is supposed to behave, then there's enough Yiddish sources we to learn that. However, the idea of a wife surrendering to a husband as as unconventional as it is in secular sources, as much as conventional um, psychology would today suggest that husband and wife do equal partners and you know you have to understand each other and uh, ladies first maybe even it's not a question that Toyredik the idea of a wife surrendering to a husband and accepting the husband as a father figure or as the king as you say you were taught as a color is definitely correct so as much as I'm not in any way suggesting or encouraging anyone to, to read Laura Doyle's books or anyone's books for that matter the fact that she claims that a wife should surrender to a husband is, is definitely something that has a lot of truth to it that's first of all second of all um, if, if, if looking at her book and saying yeah, it would be nice, but I can't because he's so abusive. If that's your response, then please read the book again and realize that, yes, Laura Doyle's husband was very abusive. She wasn't dealing with a pleasant husband. She didn't come up with this idea of surrendering to a husband you know, because she looked in the Torah. She came up with it because she realized that the, there's the only way to deal with somebody who was being obnoxious, being um, difficult. So that's first of all. The whole idea that she's trying to encourage, which, again, I have nothing with the book and I'm not encouraging anyone to read it. But the idea that she was trying to um, accomplish and what she's promoting is surrendering to somebody who is otherwise quite difficult. That's just, that's just something to think about. Um, so yeah, she claims that when you do that, it, it changes things. So I don't know if you did or didn't, or you can tell me it's too hard for you, um, but that is what she's definitely um, encouraging and advising. That, that's first of all. Now, talking about respect for, for a minute, right? You mentioned something about respect being uh, an action, not a feeling. Now, I don't know. I, I would... I would um, tend to disagree. And here's something I want to be very clear about. When the Torah tells you to be respectful to your parents, let's start with that. The Shekhanurach tells us what that means. How do you respect the parent? What do you have to do? Very technical. It's very technical. It's not about feeling respect. It's not about feeling admiration. It's not about thinking... And, no, it has, has to do maybe with appreciation. That's what the Torah tells us. And others talk about about appreciation. But the obligation is a technical obligation to behave respectfully. That's it. You can, think, you can think of your parents whatever you want. You still can't sit in your father's place. You're still not allowed to contradict something your parents says. You're still not allowed to do something that they won't like in front of them. Right? There's a lot of things that means. Respect is not a feeling. You could feel respect to someone. That, that's fine. But that's not the obligation of respect. So when you're talking about um, what a Torah wants from a wife to respect a husband, you have to remember, this is not a feeling. It's a behavior. You behave respectfully. Now part of what the surrendered wife, the Havdul, is encouraging is also to behave respectfully. It's not encouraging you to, to really respect or admire someone who's uh, abusive or, or, or whatever other problems that that person has. So it's very uh, important to remember this. It's not an act, it's an action. Sometimes people say, I'm putting on an act, I can't do it anymore. Don't, don't put on an act, just, just act, behave. Do it. So that's, that's, that's first of all. Now, I don't know how respectful you are or you aren't. I don't know how respectful anyone is. I'm not there. I can't tell you. So I don't know if you are behaving respectfully or you try behaving respectfully or you think you behave respectfully. But very often there's something to think about. What does your husband see? Now I'm not saying he sees, he sees it straighter than you. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's important to think about it. I know that you think or you feel that you behaved respectfully or you're trying at least. Does he also feel so? Now it doesn't mean, one more time, it doesn't mean that he thinks you're not, that it means you're not. But it does mean that there might be some connection. You could say, well, I'm behaving respectfully, it's not helping. But if he's not feeling respected, or if he would want you to behave differently toward him, then something to think about. Maybe if you would, maybe you would have different results. Maybe, I don't know. 
But it's definitely something to think about. When somebody, when a spouse feels, when a husband feels appreciated, looked up to, needed, and, and those are things that there's ways to say it and ways to do it and ways to make someone feel like that. It's not a question. And to be taken seriously and to be cared for, very often that could bring them to behave differently. Is it a guarantee? Um, maybe not. Often, yes. It's very important to remember that. So I'm not blaming you for his behavior, especially if he's brought up in a place where he wasn't taught to behave nicely. And it's very possible you're dealing with somebody extremely abusive, which is something we'll talk about in a moment, something that definitely has to be dealt with. But there's still something about a wife behaving respectfully. And if you don't do that, then very often that's contributing to a big problem. It doesn't mean that you're, that, that you're um, responsible for how someone else behaves. It doesn't mean that if he talks down to you or, or he uses any kind of language that's not acceptable, it doesn't mean it's your fault. Right? That, that codependency kind of thing of, oh, must only my, my problem. But there's something about a wife being respectful that just remains an obligation. And I, and I do believe that when you're respectful in a way that even your husband would agree and, and acknowledge that you're being respectful of him, I, I, do, think, I do think that it would... Um, Make a difference. That's just what I think. I don't know. That's just what I think. Now, before I go on, let me just mention. I was mentioning at the end, but you know, I always have this niggling feeling. The fact that two women are writing in about respecting a husband, and the, right, and the fact that we're talking about the surrendered wife, and the fact that we're talking about the total obligation of a wife to be more respectful to a husband, yes, there is some kind of imbalance over there. I mention this often. There is. There is something about a, a wife being more respectful to a husband, um, and even being put out of kibbutz of as I mentioned often. At the same time, a husband is definitely obligated to respect a wife, to be respectful to a wife. Not a question. So if anyone listening to this, all those husbands out there that are shaking their head and saying, oh, I, I can't wait for my wife to hear this, it, it goes both ways. You have to be respectful of somebody even if you don't feel respect toward them, and even if you don't look up to them, and even if you feel very bad about them. So respect in a marriage is definitely you know, fundamental and basic. Not a question. Now, some people confuse respect and even achnuah with self-obliteration. Right? If I'm being respectful to someone, it means that I'm not here anymore, and I'm going to accept everything that person does, and I'm just going to surrender. And maybe that's the part you get from the surrendered wife. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm not sure you know, if that's what it really means. To be respectful to someone means that you're behaving respectfully toward them. It doesn't mean that when something bothers you, you don't know how to, you know how to say it. It doesn't mean that if somebody puts you down or does something at home in front of the children that you think is, is hurting the children or hurting you or hurting the home, it means that you're not going to say it. Why not? Oh, because if I say it, it's going to be hurt. Why? come up with a way to say it very respectfully. And there are ways to say it respectfully. There are ways to say something to someone, making sure that they know that you don't look down at them because of it, making sure you're not counting how many times it happened today already, making sure that you notice all the other good things that they do and all the other things you could admire them for, and then being very clear about the fact that, you know, this really bothers me, and it would mean so much if you could, if you could uh, be, care- be more careful. As a matter of fact, you could use this as a reason to be even more respectful. Because if that person makes even the smallest change in the right direction, uh, because of something you said, and you tell that person, yeah, I really respect that you did that for me. I know it wasn't easy. I respect that you um, held yourself back from saying something. I know it wasn't easy. Not saying, oh, finally, finally, you held yourself back the first time. Well, I have to give you, have to give you a standing ovation for that? Yeah, I respect you even more, because I know that you're working on yourself. So pointing out something to someone um, and helping them get in the right, you know, move in the right direction is just more reason to be respectful, not less. Don't resent him by saying, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to uh, make him a mensch, what should I do? You know, it's a choice between being quiet or telling him why he can't do something and losing respect. Why are you losing respect? You should be gaining respect when you help someone grow, and they do it, even in the smallest way. And instead of making him feel like a two-year-old saying, oh, not bad, I, you know, I, I noticed that you did a good thing today. No, you say it, we say it with respect. I respect the fact that you, were care- that you spoke to me nicely today. I, I, I know maybe it wasn't easy because I'm not the best wife in the world, and I still respect it. How's that? So that's, that's just um, 
The idea is not to ignore when something bothers you, it's to be creative and say it in a respectful way and come up with, with ways and times to deal with those undesirable things. And if you can't, then that alone should be discussed. You sit down, you go for a walk, and you say, you know, I want to bring something up. The things that bother me, and when I say them, I think you get defensive. And it could be it's my problem, I don't know how to say them right. What can we do about that? Discuss it. Don't push things under the rug, and don't, don't get more resentful and less respectful if you can get more respectful and less resentful by dealing with things the right way. So, so that's, that's another point. So aside from respect not just being an attitude or a feeling, it's actually a behavior, uh, I don't see it as, as um, you know, taking abuse or being abused uh, in order to be respectful. I don't see that at all. On the contrary, I think when someone's abused, they, they become actually less respectful because how can I respect someone abusing me? So I'm, I, think I'm, I think I'm behaving respectfully by tolerating. That's not called respect. Now, I will say another thing, and that is that in general, there's, there's two kinds of acceptance, and people mix this up all the time. There's the acceptance of, listen, I accept I married a very angry person. I accept it, that's it, I gave up. There's the acceptance that it's a hopelessness, not acceptance. People think that's called acceptance. I accept the fact that this is my challenge in life. I, I married someone that doesn't have a good mitos. What should I do? And I'm hopeless about ever changing that person, and I'm resentful. That's not acceptance, that's hopelessness. There's another kind of acceptance, which is, I accept the fact that for you this is a big challenge. I accept the fact that I may have grown up in a better home and have an easier personality and might be more polite than you. I accept the fact that this is your challenge. I have my own. I do. I, by the way, I, I realize I have my own challenges, yeah. I realize that there are places maybe where you're even better than me. And I accept the fact that for you this is a struggle. And I'm not here to, to make you over and, and have you refurbished. And I'm not going to look down at you because you're struggling with this. You know, there's that famous quote, uh, don't hate me because I sin differently than you. This is your struggle, this is mine. Maybe you do have a lot of things that I could admire and respect for that matter. The fact that, the fact that I can't relate to your challenge which I, I, means I shouldn't respect it. I, sh- I should lose all respect because it's important to me. That's, that's definitely not a way to look at it. Now I know it, it's easier to say, it's easier said than done, but it still has to be said and still has to be done. Especially if this is causing you to feel so resentful in your relationship, then maybe, just maybe, think about what I'm saying and do it even if it's very difficult. As a matter of fact, you, you mentioned a word that, again, I don't mean to nitpick, but you're writing something about, I have zero respect for this person, and you write, I know it sounds terrible. It does sound terrible, I'll be honest with you. To have zero respect for someone? I mean, if it's a person living down the block and you have zero respect for that person, it's something to think about. You know, maybe you can still see some good in that person. But if it's your husband... Regardless of how easy or not easy it is for you, I think it's important to, to find something to respect. You mentioned that you write down nice things that he does, positive qualities, and you review them, but sometimes you're in too much pain. Well, I respect that. I respect the fact that you took the time to have a list of his qualities and think about them. I know it's hard, and you should still think about them. And don't say, well, I tried, it's not working, so I don't respect you anymore. No. Imagine if somebody would find that list of qualities that you wrote about your husband, and they would only know that part of him. Maybe they would be impressed. Maybe there's something there. Maybe you should be impressed with him. And maybe the fact that you're going to talk nicely to him and try to bring out the best of him and notice how he's trying to be nicer to you, even if it's only after you pointed it out to him, and respect that too. So to say, I don't have any respect, what should I do? You already, you already made that conclusion that I don't have respect, so what do I do without respect? No. Aside from behaving respectfully, you can still try to achieve some more respect instead of saying, well, this is his problem. Now, this doesn't mean that he's off the hook and he can do whatever he wants because I'm putting it on you. I'm not. You're just reaching out to me, so I'm talking to you. And this is how everyone has to look at things in life. What could I do differently? Maybe I could behave more respectfully toward him. Maybe I should behave more respectfully regardless of how he will respond. Maybe I could clarify my needs um, in a very respectful way and help him out with it. And maybe I could find other things to respect. So these are all just, um, you know, just, just some, some ideas that might be helpful. I don't know. 
and you could disagree with me even more, like I started off with. Another thing you mentioned over here that you know, if if you would have a, a year to listen to me, I'd be able to explain to you all the different things that are bothering me. I, I want to mention something about that comment. Again, I hope I'm not coming across like too nitpicking and, and critical. I just these are things that I, I think are important to mention. If uh, what would you do if I did have a year to listen to you? You would sit and vent and bring up all the negative things you remember about your husband, everything he ever did to you in life for the past 10, 20 years, yeah, everything. And then what? Where would I get you? Some people just don't forget things and they have all those, you know, whole bag of reasonings why they're allowed to be disrespectful or why they're a victim and why they're being abused. And if only you would listen, if you would only know, I hear this from people all the time, oh, if you'd only know what I've been through, don't, don't, even, I, don't even go there, I can't even... Aside from the problem about letting these things accumulate and not knowing how to get rid of them, which is something you should talk to someone about, but there's more to it than that. If I could listen to you for a year and that's what you would use me for, to listen to you, you'd be in a disservice to yourself. So let me explain this. Very often people use a therapist or a mentor or a listening ear in a negative way. It's to feel validated and to have someone else realize what a victim I am. And that person, and again, I don't mean this question. I have no idea if there's anything you would ever think of doing. I'm just pointing it out so my listeners hear this. I know people who talk to someone and they, all they want to hear is, wow, really? Ugh, terrible. And they go away feeling good because now somebody else knows how much I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with and how much I'm suffering and how much I'm tolerating. You're not helping yourself by doing that. You're actually making things worse for yourself. Because not only you think that you're a problem and that you're dealing with problems and that you're such a victim and such a Rahmanus, now you have more people that think so too. You feel even, even more confident that really, you know, you're really just... If you talk to someone about problems, of course it's good to have a listening ear and it's good to have validation. And you deserve it. To have somebody empathize and understand how difficult the situation is. But if the point of that conversation is not to lead to, okay, now that you heard me out, thank you for listening, what do you think I should really be doing? Maybe you have a good idea for me. Maybe, maybe something I can't see myself. Maybe I'm just too wound up in my own emotions and I can't realize what, how I should be dealing with this differently. Maybe you have good advice for me. If you only listen to someone who's always going to just validate and tell you what a victim you are and how you should really be even worse, you know, I could have done even worse because my sister told me she would have done worse and I'm just a tzaddikist for just tolerating. You're not helping yourself. Remember that. So some people go for help just to have someone to listen to their tale and then have somebody to quote and say, that person said that there's nothing I can do anymore and I'm totally absolved. It's, it's, it's a big problem. And very often such people are misguiding. And I've had this myself. I hear people quoting me and saying, you know, I spoke to Rabbi Gruen and even he told me that I shouldn't be tolerating this. Well, is that the only thing he told you? That's all he told you? Well, it could be he told you that, but is that the only thing he told you? And sometimes people just want to hear what they want to hear. And they're, they're doing a disservice to themselves by talking to somebody either without the right intention what they want to hear or talking to somebody who doesn't have what to offer them you know, that, that could really be helpful. So that's also a very important point. And again, I don't mean to be critical of anyone and it could be the people I'm talking to, I mean the people that are writing to me, have nothing to do with this. Another important point. You mentioned something about the kids growing up and, and, and mimicking your husband and all that. What's important to realize, and I'm not even going to go into the issue itself, it's a separate issue. And this is my point that I want to bring out. Now, the separate issue over here. I spoke about this once about Karavtuni. Chenech HaShulmais are two issues. When you, when you intertwine them, and everything becomes difficult. Because you have a chenech issue, you become resentful at your husband. Or because you're not getting along with your spouse, uh, all of a sudden the, the chenech is going haywire because you're not on the same page. It's a big problem. Recently I, I spoke last week in public, and I read a letter that a child wrote to a parent, and wrote, you know, please get along with mommy, this is, this is breaking us. A young child. When chenech and shambayis become intertwined, there's a big problem. So if you're upset at your husband, and you don't have respect for your husband, and now you're dealing with a big problem because your kids aren't being their cherzik, and you're saying, what do I do? It's not the same thing. 
You have to first learn how to be nice to your husband and learn how to deal with your children when they're not being respectful. It could be similar to the way you deal with a spouse who's not being respectful, but it's a separate issue. Yes, you have to know how to deal with children when they're not being respectful. You have to know how to be able to discuss with your husband what do we do about the children not being respectful. You have to know what you could say and what you could not say and what you should say to which child to make sure that they become more respectful. There's a way to earn respect. There's a way to give incentives to be respected. There's a way to encourage good behavior. There's a lot of different things you could do. But when you start mixing the two and the shown bias and the kind of becomes one, and the difficulties with your children just become more reason to be resentful about a spouse, or, the, or resentments about a spouse are just more reason to... to um, justify why the chinuch is not the way it should be, you know, or to make things even worse with children, that's, that's always something that's very important to differentiate. So let, let, me just, let me just say that. Now, we started off with the Torah, and I want to go back to that. Okay? There's three ways to look at everything. There's the way, in this case, let's apply it over here. There's a way for a wife to say, I'm not respectful to my husband. Listen, this is what I'm dealing with. I can't be respectful. There's a way for Hashem to say, or for anyone out there to say, I'm sorry, but you still have to be respectful. And then there's something for the husband to say. Maybe I'm not earning enough respect. Maybe. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. If your wife, if, if you're listening to this, right, and you realize that, you know what, maybe my wife is not respectful of me because I don't talk nicely. Maybe I should work on my character. Maybe I didn't grow up you know, in a home where this was promoted, but maybe I start realizing that you know, it's not it's taking at all. Maybe if I'd, if I'd get up early in the morning, for example, for other people, I'd get up earlier and learn something. Maybe if I'd be more on time. Maybe if I'd be more polite. Maybe if I'd be more giving. Maybe if I'd be more accepting. Maybe this would earn me more respect. Maybe my wife would treat me nicer if I was nicer to her. And this is the other way around as well, right? For all those that are feeling the other way. Maybe a wife who's not feeling taken care of, maybe if I'd be a better wife, I'd be taken care of better. So that's always the way to look at it. So aside from realizing what you have to do and stop justifying yourself, realize whoever's listening to this. Maybe if I'd do mine better, and I wouldn't be that Aral Sosayim, and I would have more... Um, kindness and more you know, pleasant words and, more, and a nicer attitude, maybe I'd be getting even people who are uh, challenged to be more respectful of me. So this is something that I think everyone just once again, everyone has to see what it is that I could do to make things better in my marriage. I can be a more understanding spouse, I can be a more giving spouse, I can be a more respectful spouse, and I can do what I have to. And if not, then I could sit for the next 10 years and cry and say, listen, it's just so hard and nobody understands and look what I'm dealing with and I lost respect, and there's nothing I can do, and I'm not responsible anymore, I'm doing it. So be it, but that's not what you want. Whoever's writing to me is because deep down they want to make things better. If you want to make things better, you could. You could bridge differences, you could find common ground, you could be able to communicate better, you could admire your spouse more, you could try to keep lists of his positive qualities and talk to yourself and talk to Hashem and talk to Him. There are things you could do. And if it means enough to you, I think you'll be able to. So, my heartfelt wishes to everyone out there who agrees with me this time, is that, yeah, you should be able to do what you could. And I know it's not easy. But if this is the person you marry, and this is the person Hashem sent you, as different as you are, as different as your principles, as different as your attitudes, as different as your personalities, as different as your values, try to, try to make it work. Do what you could on your end. And with Hashem's help, that will help your spouse come across from the other end. And you can live together. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.